The Oklahoma Sooners landed one wide receiver and now are continuing to trend in the right direction for another wide receiver in the 2024 class. We'll talk about that. And why are the Oklahoma Sooners scoring the spring game like they're scoring it? Are they going to be actually able to go to the SEC after this? We'll find out on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. And shout out to every member of the Everyday Club tuning in to the Sooners, Locked On Sooners on the podcast side or the YouTube side. I'm John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. And let's get started with this, Josh, before we talk about this crazy spring game scoring system that resembles a fantasy football league let's talk about the wide receiver position and the oklahoma sooners we talked on our show yesterday about the commitment of kj daniels the receiver out of louisiana and now we have another prediction for five-star wide receiver bryant wesco landing with the sooners now it's been trending that direction but given the moves by tcu the push there he's also spent some time with texas the fact that that Oklahoma is continuing to lead this race and recruiting analysts, this most recent prediction coming from Sam Spiegelman, the national recruiting analyst for on three, that bodes really, really well for the Oklahoma Sooners, a guy that I've likened to a CD lamb type of player. Get me this guy on campus, get him in Jeff Levy's offense, get him with Jackson Arnold at quarterback, Michael Hawkins at quarterback. And dude, let's watch this guy thrive. You know, it's kind of amazing too when you break down his numbers has played for a program that runs the flex bone and oh by the way went out and had 58 grabs for 1100 yards and 14 touchdowns so he he already has mind-boggling high school numbers which is typical of a lot of these recruits we're talking about and that's cd lamb's 2019 season right there very few catches but big time receiving yards and a lot of touchdowns and plays after the catch, which I think uh, Oklahoma's, you know, searching for wide receivers that can go catch the football and then do some stuff uh, after the catch. Uh, kind of been searching for that next guy that's that's great in that department for Oklahoma. But, man, uh, with, with the, the Daniels commitment, the sheer speed that you've brought in there, yes, it's a little bit of a flyer ad if you're looking simply based on the recruiting rankings right now. So what makes Oklahoma fans excited about Daniel's commitment? Oh, that's right. If you can pair it with Wesco, who is a five-star talent, according to 24-7 Sports, John, and really everywhere else you look is a high four-star blue chipper. On three and ESPN, based on my understanding, base, you know, he would end up as a five-star according to their rankings too because he's 26th nationally per on three. He's 23rd nationally per ESPN. So – I mean, that's three of the four major recruiting services that are saying Wesco, six foot two, 170. Uh, this receiver that John arguably is the best in his class. 
and he could very well end up being the number one wide receiver in the class with the way that his trajectory has gone so far. I mean, it, it feels very similar to what Jackson Arnold did last year uh, at Apoja Atabari, where, you know, they ended their junior season as four star players. And then, you know, it, as the off season progressed, started gaining more recruiting momentum, seeing that profile rise a little bit through the, the seven on seven stuff. He's going to, he's going to continue to grow in that regard. He's going to see his star status improve, whether it's with rivals or ESPN. And it would not surprise me if by the end of it, he is the number one wide receiver in the class. And he's a five-star across the board because he's got that kind of a talent. You know, he, I, I, I know that it's just crazy to compare anybody to CD land, but again, that's just the guy that I see when I watch him is somebody who can make plays after the catch. He plays big. He can go up and get the football. He can play, you know, above the rim. He can win 50, 50 situations. He, he can run a full route tree. I mean, that that's, that's to me, the thing that's impressive. And then you talk about the offense that he's working in to be as productive and as impressive as he as he is, that just goes a long way. It takes it a whole nother level for me because you're not seeing a lot of, you know, high school offenses running outside of spread outside of, you know, three, four wide receiver sets in Texas high school football, especially. Uh, and to, so to see a guy who probably getting a, a very high percentage of the target shares in his team's offense and continue to thrive, like, this guy is going to be a really, really good player. Um, I know it's easy to get kind of fall into the hype of what he looks like, you know, against high school talent, high school competition. But again, there's a reason why everybody's continuing to, you know, throw, you know, higher rankings at him. Like ESPN bumped him up like more than a hundred spots in their latest re-rank of the, you know, ESPN 300. So there's something to be said for the talent that he's displaying. And I think you're right, Josh, you pair a KJ Daniels and a Bryant Wesco, two very different skill sets, but both guys who can make a lot of plays after the catch. I, I really love the pairing and I likened KJ Daniels to a Marquise Brown. I've talked about Bryant Wesco as a CD lamb, which two wide receivers thrived, you know, playing together, Marquise Brown and CD lamb. So you know, why not just go recreate that situation that you had for you uh, back in the what 2017, 2018 seasons and uh, just go get it. Now all you need is, you know, your uh, Davin Mitchell to be your Mark Andrews and you've got the three headed monster in the receiving game all over again. No doubt. And, uh, you know, pairing Wesco uh, with somebody who's who's more of a speed option, just the the different body types in a signing class, John, would be would be terrific for Oklahoma. It'd be the first major recruiting win, though, as well for Emmett Jones, who, again, has come into Oklahoma with this track record, John, of being somebody that can go into that Dallas-Fort Worth metro area and really lock it down for some of the top names. And if and when this uh, turns into a commitment for Oklahoma and eventually a signing, again, this is going to be a major recruiting win for Oklahoma. I mean, you're talking about OU's up against Clemson. LSU, TCU, who, of course, just played in a national championship game. And so what was one of the questions we got a lot this past season as TCU won a college football playoff game and then went and played for a national championship? It was, well, do you have to start worrying about TCU more seriously in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and beyond in just the state of Texas? And I think the answer to that was, yeah, I mean, sure, you're alerted to it, but here – here straight away, if you could win this type of recruiting battle 
over at TCU when they do have that little momentum behind them, John, and then LSU and Clemson, two programs that uh, have, have each won national championships recently. This would be a big-time recruiting win for Emmett Jones. And again, Spiegelman, his prediction coming in, that's a national recruiting analyst who's not just putting that recruiting prediction in for on three. He's not just putting it in willy-nilly, John. He, he has it on some good authority that this is trending in Oklahoma's direction. And, and there's good reason to believe that. And, you know, you talked about TCU. They've been kind of the, the school that Oklahoma's had to do battle with so far early in this cycle, at least in the early part of the 2024 calendar year with Michael Hawkins, Bryant Wesco. Now they're going to, you know, see where this all ends up. We don't know a commitment date for Wesco yet, but things continue to just trend in a positive direction for him. Isaiah Autry, you know, guys like Jaden Hardy, um, you know, David Stone, Williams, I mean, it's a class that's continuing to sound pretty positive. And again, I talked about it yesterday. This class could be as good or even better than what we got in 2023. And that's just a, a good sign for Oklahoma and just evidence of what this, this staff is able to do on the recruiting trail. Now, you know, again, it may take the 2024, 2025 season before we start seeing that take shape on the field as they're still dealing with a big time turnover of the roster that they've underwent over the last two years. Speaking of turnover, Josh, there's quite the turnover to the scoring system and the format for the Oklahoma Sooners spring game. And we're wondering, are they going to be forced to go to the American athletic conference instead of the sec after this? We'll find out after Josh talks to y'all about FanDuel. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're losing the sec bit, but we can discuss here in a moment. Grand slams, no hitters, double plays. They're back. That's right. Major League Baseball is back. And there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than with FanDuel. That's America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers, you could step right up to the plate. No sweat. First bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on where you can sign up, place your first bet, and again, get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. Hope that uh, that first couple of bets just goes well. But, hey, it's nice to have that little uh, safety net. Uh, strike four, if you will, right? $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. So don't miss your chance to get that no-sweat first bet. Would you join FanDuel today? Just go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. Yeah, the scoring for the spring game, and <laughs> it, it – I'm not crazy about it. To me, there's too much thinking involved. I'll tell you this. I like offense versus defense. I like that little component to the spring game for Oklahoma. I'll let you run down the the scoring in detail in just a moment, John. But just generally speaking, I, I do have to laugh. Somebody pointed out on the radio side with us today. Here we complain and complain and complain about, oh, the spring game needs to be more exciting or you need to play somebody else during a spring game. And then lo and behold, there's the University of Oklahoma here in this instance comes up with this intricate, different, haven't seen it before scoring format. And everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but seemed like the early overwhelming response was, oh my goodness, what what are they doing with this scoring system? And I would second that, second that it's just kind of funny. That's a fair counterpoint to be made that, okay, here's they're trying to innovate and do something a little bit different. But my general rule of thumb, John, would be this. I love offense versus defense. But to me, man, 
Yeah, I mean, look, if you're watching on YouTube, look at some of the scoring here. If you have to think this much individually play to play, oh, wait, a sack is worth how many points? Now, wait a second. Why did the defense just, oh, they got two points for a PBU? To me, that's probably not the greatest thing. But, uh, hey, here we are, right? Yeah, I'm looking at this, and I'm, I'm wondering, why is the offense getting two points for a punt? So Oklahoma's trailing by one. Oklahoma's offense trailing by one. Less than 30 seconds to go in the game. And well, I guess the, the defense does get five points for a punt. So it's still a net negative of three. I don't know. I So just yeah, give the it, defense three points. Yeah, just give the defense three points and just quit giving the offense points for giving the ball back. Like, I don't like the idea that you, you, you know, you turn, you turn over on downs. That should be negative points. You miss a field goal. That should be negative points. You get a turnover. That should be negative points. Like, Okay, maybe you don't want to take points away. You don't want to see the score or go backward or end up with a negative score uh, in the game. But yeah, it's just a little bit. And maybe that's just their way of, you know, preventing the the offense from ending up with a negative score because that would look kind of bad. Uh, the offense red team minus three defense 13 or whatever. That'd be a really bad score to probably be able to, you know, to be putting out there on social media. Uh, too many people would have a laugh at that. So it, it's unique. Um, it's intriguing. I, I really liked the format last year. I thought that having, you know, kind of a split squad scrimmage, I think that just made a lot of sense, uh, for what this team was trying to do and, and create competition and, and things like that. Um, you know, this, this seems more just kind of like a scrimmage and, or like a practice more than it does like a, a, a game. And you know, the, the talk has been kind of bandied about a little bit. Would you prefer to play an actual opponent? Uh, in your spring game as an exhibition game versus as a spring game. And and when Brent Venables was asked about that, he's like, well, if, you know, if everybody else was doing it, then we'd, you know, be interested in doing that too. Um, of course, there'd be a lot of different details that, that they'd have to iron out, but yeah, I mean, it, I'm sure that they, you know, try to talk through as many scenarios as they could. And this is what the best thing that they could come up with for this kind of a, of a, you know, scrimmage. Um, but it, it is intriguing for sure. Well, and hopefully more than anything, if you're doing offense versus defense, give me a healthy dose of the ones. I know mm -hmm. that folks are going to be excited, and, and we can talk about it you know, either in just a moment or later this week, John, uh, for the Everyday Club. You can tune in for that maybe. But, uh, yeah, you want to see the Jackson Arnolds of the world. You want to see these freshmen that have just arrived. But show me the ones. Show me good on good in this spring game if we're going offense defense which again i dig out of everything you know that is this the scoring system aside yeah i want to see how things look out there one versus one john and i can see that argument where you know if you have a split squad scrimmage then you're mixing up your ones and twos together and you know you you might not have starters going against starters uh you might have a starter going against a backup and vice versa so i do get that point of it i just I like the idea of it being an actual game. You know, this to me just is a, a glorified practice. You know, it's just going to have a very different feel to it. Um, you know, people love points. So is that going to be one of those things where it's like, okay, the offense, you know, is going to have more people behind them and it's going to be disappointing if they don't score enough and the defense wins this. It's just an odd dynamic. And I, I really, again, I really liked the format from last year where they went up against each other. But again, your point is valid. You're going to get better reps, you know, with 
Walter Rouse going up against Rondo Bothroyd, then Walter Rouse going up against, you know, pick your defensive end too. Uh, but I'd also be intriguing to see uh, Adipoja Adabare going up against Walter Rouse, like giving your young kids like that an opportunity to go up against some of the starters. That would be intriguing as well. But speaking of the true freshmen and speaking of one PJ Adabare, Josh, I wanted to ask you, are there any true freshmen that you're really just itching to watch that you can't wait to watch on Saturday in the spring game? Yeah, Peyton Bowen, right? I mean, uh, P.J. Atabare, the two five-star signees, uh, those are the guys. Jackson Arnold, of course, any any of the five-star signees for Oklahoma. But honestly, uh, I think I can wait a little bit to see to see Arnold. Like if you if you said, okay, you you get to pick two of these three. I would pick both of the defensive players. And I don't think that necessarily every Oklahoma fan would agree with that because look, uh, you want to see what's what's next and who knows there's some out there. I think it's a very small minority, but there's probably some out there that to some degree are like, well, maybe Jackson Arnold's going to win this job before the season's over. And maybe he's just that special. This would be the first glimpse at all of that. But to me, man, I want to see the the shiny new toys, the potential defensively, because that's where Oklahoma needs to improve the most, John. It is where they need to improve the most. And I'll I'll stick on the defensive side of the ball. And I want to see you know the four-star defensive backs, especially at cornerback. I want to see what McCarty Vickers has. I want to see Kendall Dolby, although he was a JUCO addition. I mean, he's in his first year with the Sooners. I want to see Josiah Wagner, you know, have a chance to go up against the ones. The departure of um, you know, Kate, uh, Jaden Davis, that opens the door for some of these guys to, to make an impact in year one with the Sooners, even though you're probably looking at Gentry Williams and Jaden Rowe getting more opportunities and, and to Kendall Dolby getting more opportunities to start early on. It would not surprise to see a guy like Macari Vickers or Josiah Wagner, you know, get out there and, and win a job, even as true freshmen. I mean, it's not, it's not unheard of for a true freshman to get out there and start. It's not. Um, but they're going to have to have a lot of you know, intestinal fortitude to be able to do that in the Big 12 out there as a true freshman going up against some of the best passing offenses in the country uh, week in and week out. Um, so th- there's a lot of really intriguing names to watch. You know, is, is there a veteran that you think like, has to have a really, really good camp to solidify himself as either a starter or a member of the two deep before he kind of gets pushed down by one of the youngsters? Well, dependent upon some of the young defensive backs that we're talking about here, I don't know how to feel if Jaden Davis's departure, if that makes it more likely that Woody Washington now has a spot or if there's some serious, serious competition from these younger defensive backs. And what about Dolby? How does, you know, speaking of newcomers, how does he fit into that equation? So Woody Washington for him to look like a veteran is probably really important because again, the, the secondary and cornerback in particular, John has not been great for OU. So he would be one of the first names. I think for me that would come to mind where, okay, there's all this great potential and we've seen that in flashes in bunches at times from Woody Washington. But is it, is it a, on a solid foundation? I don't know. And that'll be what we'll be watching for. Um, I think other veterans, you can look at it, your, your veteran edge group. Uh, in particular, the guys that have been with this program, Reggie Grimes, Marcus Stripling, Ethan Downs. 
Oklahoma really went into the transfer portal to add edge talent in Rondo Bothroyd, Trace Ford. Uh, you know, you brought in Deshaun McCullough, who's going to, you know, feature as the cheetah, but you could use him as an edge as well. You're also looking at the development and the progression of R. Mason Thomas. I think those three guys, although I, I do think Ethan Downs is pretty well solidified, I do think Reggie Grimes and Marcus Stripling are guys that you don't have to keep working and grinding it to continue to fight for their role on this roster, considering how much depth is on the defensive line now. Uh, and with the, you know, the positive talk that's out there about a Jacob Lacey and a Jonah Lula, where does that leave Jordan Kelly and Isaiah Coe? Again, they're going to use a lot of rotations at the defensive tackle spot and at the edge, but who's going to kind of be the guy that they're counting on in third and long situations to come up with a stop. Linebacker is going to be intriguing. We talked about that in the live show, just as a position group because of the, basically the inexperience. I think it's hindering people's ability to kind of believe in the depth that they have at linebacker. The talent is there. It's just an inexperienced talent. So it's just a matter of like getting them in game situations and then allowing them to grow a guy like Jerry Canick, who got to play some as a, a true freshman. Now he should start to take off because he's got the, a little bit more experience than everybody else on the linebacker depth chart. Now it's for him, time for him to step up and take on a significant role. Well, if not Woody Washington, then to me, it's definitely the edge guys or defensive tackle. It just feels like defensive line, nothing's nothing's given there. I, I don't know that anybody, defensive end, edge guy, however you want to describe it, defensive tackle, I don't know that anything's set in stone with those spots going into uh, going into fall camp and then obviously next season, John. Whereas Woody Washington, I say his name uh, just because of the collective – you know, the collective poor play in the secondary for an extended period of time. But honestly, he's got to be feeling better than anybody up front, right? So, yeah, those would be those would be names to watch and interesting position groups to watch, I think, in this uh, red-white game for Oklahoma. Well, it's like I mentioned, again, back to the live show. If you listen every day, you've heard me say this, but if you're not listening every day, then you kind of miss out on things, so I'll repeat it. Since 2021 – the Oklahoma Sooners have only two guys that started for them back then left on the roster, Andrew Rame, Woody Washington. That's all you got. So you've had near a hundred percent turnover from the starting lineup in 2021 to now. So it's important to have guys, veterans like Woody Washington, like Andrew Rame, really um, be at the forefront and be leaders for this team, but they also have to prove it on a day-to-day basis. They got to prove it on the field. They got to prove it when they go to Cincinnati. They got to prove it, you know, in the Red River Showdown. This team has to be better, and and those veteran guys have to be the ones that lead that. Speaking of Austin, well, not speaking of Austin, but speaking of Texas, which leads me to Austin, Josh, and that'll lead me to the Women's Professional Fast Pitch Draft uh, that happened on Monday night. Alex Staraka was taken number one overall by the Oklahoma City Spark. So, First of all, if you haven't heard, there's a professional women's fast pitch team in Oklahoma City called the Spark. One Jocelyn Allo, one Lindsey Elam, former Sooners, also played for that team. Alex Taraka went number one overall to the Spark. Also going to be joined by Haley Lee, who went with the first pick in the fourth round to the Spark. Grace Lyons goes to Texas, going to play in Austin for the Texas Smoke. That's a great name. I think the Oklahoma City Spark and the Texas Smoke, just two really, really great names for softball teams. 
Texas smoke is pretty cool. That's uh, I got to like that. <laughs> I got to admit it. Uh, OKC spark. Yeah. It, it'll be fun to watch how all of this develops. Um, we need to reach out to plank and just get him on the podcast to share a little bit of his insight from, you, you know, he was emceeing the WPF draft uh, the other night. So just sort of his general takeaways from how things are going, what the night was like, and then uh, what sort of the schedule looks like going forward. I know that mid June is when all of this gets underway. So sort of right after the women's college world series ends, that's when uh, you jump into the professional WPF season in uh, Oklahoma city and uh, in Norman. So it's going to be, man, it's going to be fun. going to be fun to have professional softball here and, uh, Storaco staying home is uh, great news for for fans around here. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's it's a sport that's growing, and that's really really cool. We've seen the growth take place at the collegiate level and the youth levels. It's just blown up all over the country. The ratings have never been better. I mean, Oklahoma and LSU got an ESPN two slot last week, uh, a prime time slot, which is fantastic for the sport, and it's going to continue to to grow because people are continuing to flock to it. You know, women's sports in general, I, I don't know if you saw the number, but, you know, the the national championship, the four on the floor from Saturday had its best number ever uh, for women's gym on ABC. So they're getting the profile. They're getting the opportunities to be out in front of a national television audiences. And that's continuing to grow the sport. Well, now you have four teams where just, you know, last year when the WPF launched, it had just two. It had the smash hit Viper or smash hit Vipers and the USS USSSA. I think there's three S's pride, um, two clubs. And within a year, they've already doubled that with the Oklahoma city spark and the Texas smoke. So it's encouraging to see the growth of softball continuing uh, to happen. And that Oklahoma Sooners are going to be kind of at the forefront of that, especially with the Oklahoma city spark, Lauren Chamberlain. She's the commissioner of the WPF. But you're going to see Oklahoma City or sorry, Oklahoma Sooner players getting drafted uh, very highly and very often in uh, in this league. Yeah, and hopefully wind up with a team that uh, isn't just littered with Oklahoma Sooners, but certainly has plenty of former Sooners, but just some of the best players in the sport. Right. Hopefully Mm -hmm. you wind up with, you know, with the limited amount of teams right now, you would think that everybody's going to be pretty good. John, I mean, assuming that nobody's just drafted incredibly incredibly poorly here would seem almost difficult to do that given again the relative lack of depth uh, just in terms of sheer number of teams right now but hopefully for the long haul this thing is here to stay and Oklahoma City winds up with a team that fans can be proud of and and want to go watch because I do think right now in large part mostly because of Oklahoma but uh, also because of what Oklahoma State is doing you've got a state that uh, is a rabid softball state right now so i think there there should be some pretty good support for this thing yeah and you can even also throw tulsa into the mix as well as a, a program that's doing really really well in softball but folks that's going to do it for today's episode of locked on sooners thanks so much for being a part of the show and thank you so much to the everyday club tuning in and listening every single day here on locked on sooners again follow me on twitter at john nine williams you can follow josh on twitter at josh on ref you can follow the show at locked on sooners on youtube hit that subscribe button hit that notification bell and to let you know when new episodes drop, drop a like. And if you feel inclined to do so, we'd love you to leave an Apple review. Go give us five stars over there and tell people how you feel about the show. It just helps more people find out about the show. So thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. Boomer Sooner.